San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. And if you download the app for 760KFMB, you can hear us live on any device that you own. Uh, all these podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com. And if you download the title of the show or search iTunes for the title of the show, you can hear us on iTunes. And I usually introduce the main man of the hour right now, CPA Richard uh, Musio, uh, um, who's an accomplished marathon runner, author, you know the rest, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. But it is his night off tonight, and instead we have a guest co-host with her organization and good news about uh, soil science, Michelle Lirak. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. It's uh, good to be back. It's always been a good time here. I hope we win an award for this one like all the other ones. <laughs> Just putting that plug out there for you people in the press awards. <laughs> Actually, Michelle is also the founder of the Berry Good Food Foundation and has put, put on a great event this week at UCSD. And uh, Michelle, where'd you get your passion about uh, the environment and sustainability and, in the first place? This has been a lifelong process for you, hasn't it? Well, like most people, I like to eat and uh, <laughs> I like really good food. And so it turns out that we need to have a healthy environment, you know, happy animals and good growing to uh, make good food. So. For me, it was a natural fit to, you know, fulfill my selfish goals mm -hmm. and also some really larger ones. And what's really exciting for me about soil mm -hmm. and the issue of how soil can play a role in climate change mitigation is that this world of people, and I think most people today are really focused on climate change and, and what we can do about it. And to have that group of people passionate about sustainable agricultural, regenerative agriculture is for me really exciting because mm -hmm. that's bringing more people into my food camp and mm -hmm. that makes me happy. But I mean, you're 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 concerned about water, soil, air, all of that, right? And and food, and it's called Berry Good Food for a very good reason because you have your annual Berry Good uh, dinner where you invite uh, artisans and farmers and and uh, foodies to your beautiful home, and it just give a little thumbnail history of that because you know we, this first segment uh, is going to be mostly you and Cala anyway, but. It started, what, 2010, right? Right. So uh, what I did in 2010 was uh, invite all the farmers, um, local farmers, ranchers, chefs, and food activists that I knew to sit around a table and have a dinner at my house. And we called it the Berry Good Night because it was berry season, and everybody started by picking berries in the backyard. Mm -hmm. We brought them to the chefs. They whipped it up. And we all ate well. Mm -hmm. And we started creating community, and that's really what it was about. What I thought here was that in San Diego there were all these really amazing people doing incredible things mm -hmm. that might not know each other. And so what I thought is, hey, let's sit around a table and get to know each other. Well, it really grew into a labor of love. I, mean, I believe you have like a dozen chefs show up every year now and don't, every, everything's donated. Uh, you donate the, the beautiful venue and, and everything else is donated, the, the labor and the food and everything else, right? Yeah, I mean, look, it, again, it, it's a communal dinner. So mm -hmm. everybody brings what they can, whether it's their skill. It's a potluck. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a, yeah, a really nice one uh, with, some, with a lot of incredible talent. I mean, look, the best thing I ever did was start a party where the best chefs come to my house and cook. I mean, that's awesome again, you know, but it, really it's about community. And I think we, we really have created community over the seven years we've been doing the Berry Dinner. And what we finally realized was we'd created this group of activists who wanted to do more, who wanted to reach out to the larger community. That's how the Berry Good Food Foundation was formed last year around mm -hmm. the time of the Berry Dinner. So it's mm -hmm. about six months old. 
And we wanted to sort of bring the message to a larger audience, the eaters. Mm -hmm. So what we, the foundation does is try to connect eaters with food producers, that is farmers and ranchers, and then the people who make that food, that's the chefs. And again, it's about, you know, sort of helping people understand the larger implications of their food choices. You know, as Wendell Berry said, uh, eating is an agricultural act. Yeah. And, we, and it's important that we remember that, right? And I think people need to know that San Diego, I think, has 7,000, has more farms per capita, I believe, than almost any county in the U.S. Is that right? Yep, anywhere in the United States. Like, you know, we tend think, to think of agricultural regions as other parts of the country, no, but we're it. It's we're uh, number one. I think it, it, it is 7,000. It's some, it's some, I don't know the exact number because, you know what, constantly know? changing because every 10,500... Pardon me, 10,500 farms in San Diego, whoever thunk it. But, and, uh, and every year there are more and more. And, you know, to know them, to meet them, they're our neighbors, they're our friends, they're, they're in our communities, and we want to support them, A, mm -hmm. because it's good for us because the food tastes good, it's good for them, it's good for our communities, and it turns out it's also good for the environment. And, you know, and, and that's a win-win. And a whole craft beer industry grew up out of that too, I think. So, But that's another show. You know, but you know, <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned that because, look, there's this incredible symbiotic relationship that's created there. You know, they use the grain to make the beer, and the spent grain then goes to feed some of the animals, and then those animals, um, you know, create milk, and that cheese is featured at our event, and then the whey that's created in the cheese making then goes feed the other animal. I mean, you know, like, these things are all interrelated. Huh. We have to start thinking about these products and what we generate and what we think of as food or waste in a different way, because it turns out a lot of waste really isn't. Yeah. Now, the hot topic this week was soil. Soil matters was the title of your panel and your show, and... And you have another guest here uh, for this segment. So why don't you introduce her and uh, tell us a little bit about Well, I'm going to actually, um, yes, it is about soil. We were talking about soil. We're going to keep talking about soil because, you know, um, it serves many roles. It's not just the thing that grows our vegetables. And 95% of the food we eat does come from the ground. Okay, so that's important to remember. But it serves many roles. And the last one has to do with climate change mitigation. And Kala here, Kala Rose Ostrander. She actually comes out of the climate change policy world. She's really knowledgeable in that area. But then she began focusing on agriculture, and I'm going to ask Kala to tell us how that transition came about and tell us a little bit more about her background. And her organization. Great. Wonderful. It's so good to be here. Thank you both so much for having us. And mm -hmm. Michelle for hosting a panel. Amazing group of people that got to come together and, and be here in San Diego, really in the heart of urban meets rural and farmer meets their uh, foodie. So I, like Michelle said, come from a background in climate change policy. I worked for local governments doing their climate planning work for about 10 years. Most recently, it was six years with the city and county of San Francisco um, up under Gavin Newsom and Mayor Lee. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so being in that space, I got to see a lot of really interesting things. You know, the best in clean tech, renewable energy, uh, sustainable building development design I uh, worked for Amory Lovins for a while, who's really leading the world on uh, if um, solutions around efficiency and transportation and building energy use. So in my time uh, in this field, I, I'd never really seen something that was um, hopeful. I saw a lot of things that we could do that can work, that are real, that make a lot of uh, change and progress. But I'd never really found something that just inspired me in the way that um, soil did. So I was really lucky to be uh, up in the area of the Marin Carbon Project, and that really happened in our backyard. And we're lucky to have uh, one of the fantastic scientists from that team with us here today. Mm -hmm. So we'll be talking a little bit more about what they found out about and why it's so compelling. Yeah, who knew there was a big deal about dirt, right? It turns out a lot more <laughs> exciting when I first started talking to people about this. You know, they're like, oh, okay, it's dirt. You know, what does it have to do with me? Well, it turns out a lot, you know. And actually, it turns out it can solve one of the biggest crises that we're dealing with today in, in the world, not just here at home. But yeah. How, how does that work, the uh, 
the how's the well so there's this there's this brilliant thing and it's got it's this technology that's got thousands and thousands of our years of r&d behind it and it's called photosynthesis ah yeah so we remember that from our you know <laughs> high school those of us who aren't scientists remember that from Everyone, high school right or maybe college biology yeah yeah there you go maybe three three gold stars <laughs> something to do with green plants i know that's right and the that's sun. right <laughs> right oh right so so those plants with the sun's light and with some water perform this amazing thing called photosynthesis where they take carbon out of the air and they transform it into carbohydrates. And in fact, all the carbon and carbohydrates actually comes from the air and nowhere else. So then they take those carbohydrates, basically sugars, and they push them down through their roots and they share that sugar with the soil. And with all the organisms um, and thousands of life forms that live under there, that sugar is sort of like, it's their currency. It's their food, it's their money, it's what they live off of. And so that process then actually in what we just described, we removed carbon from the atmosphere and put it in the ground. So, so think about that just for a second. So as me, the person who understands it less than everyone else that you're going to hear from today. But the idea is that, hey, we're getting vegetables out of this. We're getting, you know, this is all really good. The soil is getting enhanced, but we're also taking carbon out of the atmosphere. And I think I've heard that's a problem today. It has to do with climate change. Anyway. Mm. So there's an excess of carbon in the atmosphere, so we're going to accelerate the rate. Is that what you're, where the goal is? or? Yeah, you know, I think you hear a lot about maybe if, if you're watching the news, things called geoengineering, where we're talking about how do we get the carbon out of our atmosphere that's there because there's too much right now. Mm -hmm. And even the big panel on climate change is saying we have to, in order to avoid catastrophic warming, we have to lower current levels of carbon. So it's not just about stopping it. We actually have to bring down what we have up there. So is it a matter of adding more plants to the world? Or? So the good news is it's just a matter of doing agriculture in a way that maximizes that photosynthetic capture and then keeps it in the soil. So mm. a lot of our agricultural techniques have really been destroying soil carbon for a long time, like plowing, um, pesticides use that kills uh, communities in the soil, things like overgrazing that cause erosion, so the good news here is that we actually have the technology, we have the capacity, and like Michelle says, we all eat. So it's just a matter of how that agriculture is performed, in which case I think we have the most powerful geoengineering solution at hand. Hmm, interesting. Well, we're going to take our little break right now, Justin, right? And um, with some music, I hope. So anyway, we're going to come back. We have some more experts all about soil science and get into some of these secrets that Cal was talking about uh, when we come back. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right, we are back with the second segment. I was hoping you were going to play Green Acres, Justin. Good job. <laughs> it was great having Calla uh, Rose Ostrander on. Her organization is Kiss the Ground, kisstheground.com, if you want to get more information about what she was discussing. Now Michelle is back. We have two more expert guests here. Michelle, you want to do the honors and introduce uh, the guests? I want to make a correction, too, about Kala. Um, okay. uh, like a couple of us here today, she is an advisor to Kiss the Ground, but she's actually responsible for having written the story that's called The Soil Story, which you can see at Kiss the Ground or at thesoilstory.com. Tells the story about what we're starting to talk about today, which is how does soil work, what roles does it play, including how can it help us with the carbon capture. So make sure you check that out. But let me tell you about our next guest. So now we're going to have two people on who, who really work, you know, in the ground, hands in the earth. And so... We have Pablo Rojas, who is a rancher at Mogor Ranch in the Valle de Guadalupe in uh, Baja. And uh, he's, a, he's a cowboy, he's an enologist, <laughs> and he is a renaissance man. And then, uh, thanks for coming, Pablo. Thank you. And then we have also Scott Murray, who's a or longtime organic farmer and resource conservationist. 
and they can really talk about it from their perspective as a farmer and a rancher. Like, what does soil, what does soil mean to them? What does it do? And and what what role do they play in terms of getting to the soil, you know, that we want to have and and should have to to do all of the good things that it can do. So, Scott, you want to start? I know you. Well, Michelle, it's really a pleasure to be invited here. Uh, thank you very much for the Soil Matters panel as well on uh, Tuesday night. Um, I think it's important to start with uh, a quote from Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The nation that destroys its soil destroys itself. And right now we're on the brink of a situation where we've seriously reduced the capacity of our soil to grow food and also to hold moisture. And one of the key things is that um, an acre of ground with 1% soil organic matter can hold 16,500 gallons of water. But if we double that to 2%, it can hold 33,000 gallons of water. Right now, the average American soil is about half a percent, or about 8,250 pounds. So when we talk about building the soil, we're also building this capacity of the soil to support life and to hold water and release it to the crops and to the ecosystem in an orderly fashion over time. So as I look around North San Diego County where I live right now, I'm so excited that we have a, a green mantle of our uh, fall grasses that have been brought up by our early rains because as we move into our El Nino rains, that's going to hold the soil back. Mm. Well, and, and I'm glad that you brought that up because that, that is another role that, that healthy soil plays, which is retaining water and really, you know, maximizing its use. And of course, we're dealing with an historic drought right now in California and in the West. And so this is something we really need to be focused on. So, you know, healthy soil meets uh, a lot of our goals and we should focus on that. And, and one of the ways that we make soil healthy, right, is we bring it back to life and we bring it back to life. Look at nature. Um, you know, soil covers itself naturally in its own environment. It blankets itself to protect this environment we're talking about. But in the manicured world in which we largely operate, and in, in, and in many cases in the agricultural world, that's not what happens. Now, one of the things that's required is compost, right? And we understand what compost is and the way that you can put that on in a farm or a garden. So Pablo is a rancher, and he's using holistic land management practices at his ranch to bring his soil back to earth. So tell us about that, Pablo. Um, so um, I studied a little bit of uh, what's called uh, holistic uh, management, and it's a kind of a technique in which you move your animals in high concentrations so that they impact the soil in a way where they break up the, the crust, they dung and they urinate on the soil, so that brings nutrients to the soil. Uh, they consume the grass, so it will grow for the next season and, uh, and helps store carbon in the soil um, and build soil in, in, the, in the long run. So you harvest uh, carbon and you hold water and you, you know, bring back life into your soil. And that gives more nutrients to your animals. So uh, you have healthier animals and better tasting meat. And better soil uh, and also uh, better water retention. And of course, in Pablo's area as well, they're dealing with limited water resources. So you know, we're, we're talking about this, this beautiful way in which food was once raised and unfortunately is, is the minority now today in the United States in which it certainly uh, animals are raised and, and the way that we manage, you know, agricultural practices. And I don't know if Callum mentioned this, but we've become, our agriculture in the United States has become a net emitter of carbon. And it should actually take more down than it puts out. And in an ideal world, whether through land management practices with, with animals, through the soil techniques that Scott ta talked about, 
that's what can happen, should happen. So again, everybody wins. The cows are happy. The, the earth is more plentiful. The water is being conserved. And oh, yeah, we can also deal with the carbon in the atmosphere. Like, who doesn't like that? <laughs> what do you think about that, Scott? Well, I think that people might think that carbon is our enemy, but carbon is not our enemy. It just depends where it is. When it's up in the atmosphere and there's too much, then we start to run into problems with the greenhouse effect. But the soil is starving for carbon and our agricultural techniques can help to bring that carbon back to the soil as plants grow and photosynthesize the atmosphere. As we make compost and stabilize nutrients and add them to the soil, we're stabilizing that in the atmosphere. The challenge that we're facing is that um, conventional agriculture is probably responsible for at least one-third of the carbon that we've released in the last hundred years. And if we transition ourselves to regenerative agriculture where we're deliberately building the soil rather than reducing its capacity, we could very rapidly, um, scientists are saying that in 10 years, we could take the excess carbon out of our soil that right out of our atmosphere that right now is threatening us with this one degree of temperature rise that could be cataclysmic for mankind. You know, it's interesting. Um, obviously, there there's always been this struggle in the United States about is climate change real, right? Um, I think most of us here agree, but it's it's funny, and it is often fall on on political lines. But I'll tell you, one group of people that have never doubted climate change are farmers and ranchers because they know they're in the ground every day. They have seasons, they have cycles, and they see those things change and they understand it. So, if anyone out there is uh, wondering about climate change generally, talk to a farmer. <laughs> Because then they can tell you. I would even, I'm not a scientist, but this wild wind that we just had recently, I, I would even, we keep hearing we're going to have more violent weather. Well, that certainly was, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we had gusts over 75 miles an hour in North San Diego County um, and blew down a lot of avocados, um, blew down a lot of trees. I heard that 20-some yeah. right out here on the Torrey Pines were, were knocked all over the golf course for the, uh, right. the tournament. And it might be up to 30. And uh, that poor gal who lost her life in Pacific Beach, that was my friend's sister. So, I mean, it's oh, tragic circumstances. Yeah. But anyway... Um, you know, that's an interesting point that you mentioned, because this is another thing. There's a relatively new law about what we do with organic matter that was passed. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be coming up with plans um, that the producers of organic matter, and that's all of us. And we're talking about um, vegetable waste and, and food waste, basically, uh, how we deal with that. And, and instead of putting that in the dumps and the landfills, that that should be segregated off and, and, and put to better use. And first and, and primary use is food that's edible that that from a restaurant for example or any other facility like that that hasn't you know already been given to a human being that that should go to human beings and then after that we should be composting right and composting just means taking the leftover vegetables for the most part and putting them back into the earth you know it's pretty easy stuff to do and um, if we did that on a citywide basis a countywide basis we could be all collectively taking part in the restoring of our soil and uh, we get ourselves to the soil that Scott is talking about and and Pablo's talking about and um, really take a stab at our two, two of our biggest issues, uh, certainly here in the West, which is both the issue of water and water shortage, and also, again, for all of us, the issue of the climate change that results from too much carbon in the atmosphere. I mean, you know, and that's the thing. I think it's important to remember that we can all play a role, whether you have a tiny garden in your backyard or whether you don't have any land at all, but we all produce a little bit of that organic waste. Find someone who can take it and put it to better use. 
I think one of the key things we've learned at the Rodale Institute back in Pennsylvania, they've done a 35-year study of conventional and organic side-by-side, and organic produces equal or more than conventional, and especially in drought years because the increased organic matter holds more water in the soil. Right. So we're, you know, we're, there's, this is, this is really great stuff. It's um, better for everybody. Um, it was better for our community and uh, we can all play a role in, in trying to deal with, you know, I think that's one of the things that I think Scott mentioned, which is what are we supposed to do about this atmospheric carbon? We're dealing with it. We're struggling. And, and so far it's, it for the last uh, 20 years have been saying, you know, reduce emissions and we've been trying and, and we're all collectively trying, but we haven't really gotten so far. And there are a lot of communities growing and the world is growing and, and so just reducing emissions isn't getting us there. And I think, as Scott and Calibo said, we have to get some back down. And it turns out that one of the ways to do that is, like, the easiest thing. It's just paying attention to the earth. Yeah, great. Anyway, thank we got to thank uh, Scott and Pablo for joining us. We have more experts coming up right after new sports and weather. We'll be right back. Hang on. All right, we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors, but I get the honor of doing that today. So we'd like to thank UBS and Drew Friedis and Michael Caranta and their award-winning team, wealth management team over there, great sponsors of ours, Signature Analytics and Jason Kruger, providing great CFO services and CPA services. They're going by leaps and bounds. They have offices in four states now and seven offices, so uh, they're doing great. Polito Epic, some of the sharpest CPAs in town with their great new offices up in San Marcos. Carl Sheeler and the Berkeley Research Group, a business valuation firm helping business owners understand the risks that drive their businesses, reduce the risk, and increase the value. So there you go. Kurt Gotro and Joel Greshkin with Cost Segregation Initiatives. They help real estate owners improve their cash flow. Got a big project going on at Belmont Park, and they've got a very uh, expert uh, part of the code that they use, uh, the tax code. And if you've got some uh, commercial property, you should get in touch with them. The law office of Brenda Geiger, tops in their fields of asset protection and estate planning. Lane Elliott and Sean Puckett with California Republic Bank. They have their own niche serving wealthy families and family offices. Hub International, a.k.a. Mars Maddox Insurance. Neil Steely and his group, uh, best in the business in the area of employment benefits. The Lombardi Group, they connect CPAs and attorneys throughout the United States with great educational events and uh, featuring proven wealth advisors, and they help uh, help everybody uh, run their businesses much better. Paul Hines with Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. Also heads up Senior Safe and Sound. Uh, their mission is to help identify and eradicate elder financial abuse. Uh, and he's doing a great job with that. And Servant Leadership Institute, big national event coming up for them, March 6, 7, and 8. Check them out at ServantLeadershipInstitute.com. And, of course, new sponsors whom we really love, uh, the Berry Good Food Foundation, and uh, we welcome them aboard, as well as the Stats Coffee Houses. Uh, they serve great coffee. They've been doing it for since 98. Everyone knows uh, their great locations up in uh, Normal Heights and University Heights. And to learn more about all these sponsors, go to our, sh- our uh, website at iymoney.com. Get your cursor over to the Sponsor tab, and there's a drop-down menu there. You can learn all about their, their uh, business backgrounds and their phone numbers or contact information. They've all been working with Richard for many, many years with great success, and they've been, sp- they've been on these shows, so you get to know more about them personally. Anyway, back to Michelle for this segment, and whom do we have sitting in with us this time? So uh, we decided we'll take this now to the science folks and uh, uh, their analysis of what we're talking about. So sitting with me here is Dr. Justine Owen, who's a soil scientist at UC Berkeley. And on the phone, we have Kara Wentworth, who's a 
doctoral candidate here at UCSD, and uh, she's with the UC San Diego's new Center for Sustainability, Science, Planning, and Design. And they really can, you know, sort of take our discussion about soil and the many roles that it plays and why it matters um, to a different level. So, you know, Justine in particular, we've been talking a little bit about farming and ranching practices. And tell us about the research that you're doing and, and, and if it's consistent with what you heard from our other guests. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So one of the exciting things with uh, the Marine Carbon Project was that we were looking at how compost affected rangelands and comparing plots that had not had compost added to co plots that had. And we found significant increases, not just in soil moisture and soil carbon, but we also saw double the forage production on mm -hmm. those fields. And that's what gets ranchers excited because, I mean, the soil carbon's nice, drought resistance nice, but if you're doubling your feed, that's huge. Right, it's, it, again, it's so it's so amazing. This is like this scenario in which everybody wins, right? You know, yeah. the we're happy because the water is being utilized more efficiently. We're happy because we're feeding our soil. And, and by the way, it's producing more food and everybody's happy there. And we're sequestering carbon from the atmosphere. Like who doesn't like all of that? And, we, you know, and so that's fantastic. And I, I think, you know, that's really, that's fundamentally the point that this is, this is a, purely symbiotic, you know, sort of relationship between all of these things. And we, you know, as consumers, you know, can play our role in, in being choosy about what we buy or, or even in our own space, you know, taking part as well, you know. So that's fantastic. And Kara, do we have you on the phone there? Yeah, I'm here. And Hi. Kara, who is, is a student here and working in San Diego, unfortunately today is in not-so-sunny uh, Minnesota. So uh, <laughs> uh, here it's, your weather's a little bit different than ours right now. It is. It looks like that rain has turned to snow. So we're <laughs> about to get a foot of snow. I wish we could send you another foot of rain instead. But So tell us about the work that you're doing here in the San Diego Baja area, because I think it sounds fascinating. Sure. So I really focus on science and communication, and I get to work with scientists who are partnering with local communities in different ways. And what they're really focused on is changing the way the university does research. They're working with, with the community and especially urban poor communities to develop research that serves community needs. And in that, soil projects, and specifically urban soil projects, have become a big part of it. And, I mean, for decades, the focus of soil research has really been on farmland and on soil outside of urban areas. But now we're seeing researchers and urban residents work together to map and use urban soil in new ways. In San Diego and Southeast San Diego, we have the Ocean View Growing Grounds. And there, through a nonprofit that works deeply in the community, there are UC San Diego students and faculty supporting the project on the ground where they've turned a vacant lot into a small food forest and a community garden. And the idea there is that the students and faculty are bringing knowledge about soil microbes, plant tissues, water capture, but it's the knowledge that residents really want to make the garden a success and the soil and what they need for the soil is really at the center of the project. I'm, I'm glad that you said that because it's true. We, we do tend to think about agriculture as being a, a, rural, a rural matter, but quite frankly, you know, any you know, couple of square foot land can produce 
um, food and we can bring it back to life. And and I, I want you to sort of expand on that a little bit. I love the work that you're doing there and I think it's fantastic. But every yet again, we're, we're taking an area that isn't being productive. You're making it productive. The people in the community are winning because they're getting food and um, they're also sort of being, you know, getting empowered to, to play a role in these bigger issues. But what can people do in their own backyards? Like following on what you just said about your work there, but what can everyone do in the little space they may may control? Sure. Well, you know, planting is what we always talk about, and Justine can talk about this more, but the vitality and the power of soil that has healthy stuff growing in it is going to do everything we want soil to do for us even better. So it means there will be more carbon sequestration, there will be more food, as you said, and so we really think about encouraging folks to just to plant, even if it's planting a small garden of whatever it is you want to, um, especially if it's if it's food plants uh, can really make a change on a small scale. And when many of us are doing that on a small scale, a larger scale change. And I know, Justine, your, your, your research and, and the uh, others has largely been focused on, you know, agricultural areas. But, but, but tell us about that. You know, what impact can these kind of spaces have as well? I mean, it's definitely growing. Um, and I guess one of the challenges with soil science right now is that uh, there's so many different kinds of soils and they're so diverse and spread out in so many different places and so there's a lot of interesting research that's waiting to be done and is currently starting to be done to learn about soils um, kind of in this new paradigm of soil health and what we can do we have estimates about like globally if we took all of the soils and treated them right and uh, farmed for soil health what effect could that have? And the IPCC estimates that if we actually stopped um, the carbon emitting management practices and also maximized our carbon storage practices, that could offset almost half of our current fossil fuel emissions. That, so okay, I want to make sure everybody understood that, right? <laughs> we're talking about just fixing the dirt, okay? That, we're, that, we're, that we have, that we have access to right now that we could address half of the problem that we have been very ineffective at dealing with for the last 20, 25 years. Yeah. That, that's huge. I mean, that's huge. And and so it's not just big agricultural areas, though certainly we have to focus on them, as you said, but it's every little space. Everybody mm -hmm. can do their part. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And, you know, things can change in a hurry. I mean, you're probably too young to remember the Dust Bowl, but I've certainly seen, uh, seen uh, you know, film about that. I mean, we, we really messed up on agriculture in this country in the 30s, right? Sent a dust storm all the way to Washington, D.C. So. Well, you know, that's an excellent point, and I know Kara has some insight on this as well, but this isn't just a San Diego or a U.S. problem. This is a worldwide problem, and that dust bowl is happening in other parts of the world, and, and you know, the same technology and the same methods that we're talking about here can can really address most of those problems. Kara? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the global, the, that you both you and Justine have brought up the global question, because whenever we're talking about climate change, it's important to keep the unequal impacts of these changes at the forefront, that climate change has and will continue to have the largest impact on the global south and on poor communities all over the world, including here in the U.S. 
Um, and so here in California, the Climate Change Center published a report in 2009, and they said that without proactive policies to address these equity concerns, climate change will likely reinforce and amplify current as well as future socioeconomic disparities, leaving low-income minority and politically marginalized groups with fewer economic opportunities and more environmental and health burdens. So we just found another so, reason to like this, which is fairness and equity, and totally. reason for that, right? Well, yeah, we'll get, and so yeah. it's a big piece of the climate change story here in the U.S., but also globally. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, Kara Wentworth and Dr. Justine um, Owen for being our guest on this segment. We'll get into the websites and more resources when we come back from this break. Hang on. We're back in the home stretch of It's Your Money and Your Life. And uh, Michelle's got some more special guests for us. Saving the best for last, we got two finals here. We have David Bronner, who's the CEO of Dr. Bronner's, and who doesn't love Dr. Bronner's? And I love that you call that the Cosmic Engagement Officer. And likewise, we have <laughs> Ryland Engelhart, who is the CIO of uh, Cafe Gratitude, but that is uh, the Chief Inspiration Officer. I love both of those titles. They're amazing people. Um, and they actually, like myself, are involved in a project called Kiss the Ground, something we haven't talked about yet. So, Ryland, why don't you start and tell us what is Kiss the Ground? Uh, thank you so much, Michelle. Uh, pleasure to be here. Kiss the Ground is a nonprofit organization that I started, uh, I founded about two and a half, three years ago after a trip to New Zealand where I had a big aha moment around soil's importance in all of our lives and that not only is soil the basis for all of our life and all of the nourishment for all humanity, but it's actually the most opportune storage shed and place to draw down atmospheric carbon that is you know, over 400 parts per million, way too much in the atmosphere. It's actually the most simple and opportune place to draw that carbon down and to slow and if not reverse uh, climate change. And when I heard that story, I thought, oh my God, that's the most inspiring, hopeful, possible uh, reality. And I've been in the food business running Cafe Gratitude for the last 12 years. And I thought, wow, that is a narrative. That is a story. That is a, a mission that humanity can get behind, that the way we grow our food can actually uh, be done in a regenerative way and actually sequester and draw down large amounts of atmospheric CO2 and we can produce healthy food uh, and sustain ourselves individually while supporting this much greater uh, cause. And so I, I, founded non, uh, I founded the nonprofit to be a storytelling engine to communicate this potential, this, possi this possibility, and really share uh, the stories of the people who are on the ground doing this work um, you know, carbon farming, regenerative agriculture uh, at scalable projects around the world. And we're creating, we created a short little piece of media called The Soil Story to tell that story. And now we're working on a large format piece uh, of film, a uh, feature length documentary film that will be out in 2017, hopefully at Sundance Film Festival, um, called Kiss the Ground, really telling this hopeful story of regenerative agriculture. And we talked a little bit with Kala, who was here, who was a uh involved in in drafting kiss uh, excuse me the soil story and um so i'd like to hear a little bit more about the documentary itself and why you think a documentary film is the vehicle to to reach an even larger audience so everyone can really understand the things we've been talking about today uh you know i think really i had this epiphany aha moment and i thought well, how do i give 
as many people as possible via same epiphany that I had. And I thought, well, you know, I didn't see anywhere on the internet at the time a digestible piece of media that really communicated this understanding of soil and its role in the whole ecological system of humanity and the climate change conversation and how carbon flows between the soil and the plant and the and the atmosphere. And so we thought, all right, well let's we're in Los Angeles, we're in Southern California, this is kind of the media capital of the world. We have, you know, an amazing network of access to people who have influence. Let's create this that same experience that I found in New Zealand, you know, three years ago at on a panel and create that in a, a beautiful, uh, succinct piece of media that could give people that aha moment that would then start to transform people's behavior, uh, policy change, uh, all the different things that would proliferate to create a systemic change within our society and within uh, civilization. So film has, you know, and I've created one film before. I created a film called May I Be Frank uh, about seven or eight years ago uh, that touched, you know, thousands and thousands of people's lives. And so you know, I, I, I've seen the benefit of you create something, you, you create a story and you, 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 you package it. And then, you know, that story can be heard by so many more people than just, you know, my mouth talking one by one. It creates a package that then, you know, can be shared uh, by 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 millions, hopefully. Yeah, and then, David, that's what got you into this. Uh, you're, you've been an activist in many fronts. You were one of the leaders in the organic certification. You've been involved in hemp, GMO, lots of things. What brought you to the Kiss the Ground? <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, we're big believers in organic agriculture already. Um, you know, the industrial agricultural model is a disaster as far as um, blasting synthetic fertilizers and pesticides on these vast monocultures. Um, it, you know, kills the soil. It, it destroys the, the tilth and uh, fertility of the soil. Um, and then, of course, creates huge dead zones in, in, the, in the oceans and just kind of a disaster all around. So, you know, organic agriculture, um, you know, already has huge benefits of building soil health and fertility naturally with compost and, and regenerative techniques when you're practicing organic farming properly. Um, and we have projects around the world in Sri Lanka and Ghana for our coconut and palm oils that are regenerative and organic already. Um, and, you know, it's win-win. Um, uh, you know, we're um, not only uh, building the soil and, and not exposing people to pesticides, but we're boosting yields and boosting incomes. And, um, you know, and I'd heard about the soil sequestration potential of, uh, for carbon through these practices, but hadn't quite believed it um, or, or, or the, just the vast potential it had. And actually, the, the, the soilstory.com, I mean, it's an amazing place for people to go to really wrap their heads around just, I mean, this is how soil was built in the first place. Um, and, you know, and, and the practices, these industrial practices have, you know, resulted in a, a third of the excess carbon in the atmosphere um, is from, you know, you know, mismanaged soils and, and farmlands and rangelands. And when, you know, if we just adopt these practices at a large scale, um, I mean, multiple gigatons of, of carbon can be sequestered back into the soil. It's basically one of the two sinks. One is the soil and other is reforestation. So, I mean, these are the two major sinks to bring this excess carbon down and, you know, the, the reality is, is, like, even if magically we were to, like, cease emissions, um, you know, in, by 2050, we're still w beyond the point of no return. I mean, we have to bring, you know, this excess carbon down, and really this is the way to do it.
Mm. Uh, and I, and I want to point out that everybody knows you and your products and they know you as an activist and they know your amazing product line, but they may not know that you also have a biology degree from Harvard. So this man knows what he's talking about. And so I, I'm impressed by that personally. So, um, yeah, you know, one of the other things, one of the other sinks is unfortunately is if the earth part, if the, if the soil isn't doing its job, then the water Right. The ocean tries to pick up the slack and it is not the only reason, but it's certainly one of the reasons why we have ocean acidification. And so if we can get the soil to do its job instead of emitting, but bringing it back down, maybe we'll take a little give the ocean a break um, and, you know, solve this big problem. Yeah, right on. I mean, yeah, ocean acidification is definitely, um, you know, but people often think about the, the weather and, and, you know, climate change in terms of like what, you know, disastrous weather events. But actually, um, you know, the acidification of the oceans and, and, you know, large scale disruptions of life cycles of plankton and coral. I mean, this has like, you know, much more massive um, implications. And yeah, we really need to, you know, you know, stop climate change. And this is where you know, this soil sequestration is so hopeful because, you know, and it's a very depressing and vast problem. This is, that's exactly what it is. What we understand is we're all connected. It's all interrelated. Let me give you some of the websites, thesoilstory.com. You can see the three-minute animated clip, kisstheground.com. Also, you can get a lot of the background information at marincarbonproject.org. And again, I'm Michelle, and my organization is berrygoodfood.org. And, you know, we're going to we're all joining forces here to put this information out there. I mean, we I know each one of us. I had an aha moment like Ryland talked about that David talked about when I heard the story from Ryland, as I'm sure David did. You know, we thought, hey, if more people knew this, if everybody knew this, they'd probably take action. And just imagine how powerful that could be. Hmm. And since we're one of the premier farming sites in the whole country, why not start it here in San Diego? Let's be a leader. (laughs) Well, guys, just just mm -hmm, go. Yes, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say the um, some things that are happening on the front. Uh, Vermont is creating a regenerative ag bill uh, that's being uh, that's being constructed right now, which is going to be the first bill that's going to be supporting uh, actually supporting um, good good management of soil being instituted in the state of Vermont. So that's kind of a, a, a big deal that's happening, as well as. What happened in uh, France at COP21, the Four for a Thousand initiative, mm. um, which basically has 25 countries signed on to a protocol or a practice of how to build soil carbon year after year, and that you know they, they've the French government committed, their minister of agriculture committed that they're going to build 0.04 percent, which sounds small, but it is significant over all their agricultural land every year ongoingly. Um, and 25 other countries have signed on to that um, that protocol as well. So that's that was a huge win for this understanding uh, at COP21. That's great. Well, we have to wrap it right there, Ryland. But thanks for being our guest, Ryland Engelhart and David Bronner from uh, Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps, Michelle Lirac for all the great work you do, Very Good Food Foundation. Thank you so much, and to all the guests. Uh, folks, get over to iymoney.com. Uh, you can hear this podcast commercial-free. Thank you to uh, Justin Hart, our sound engineer, and to Craig Blanket, our con executive, and to our programming genius here at KFMB, Dave Sniff. Have a great week, everybody. Remember, soil matters, and follow up. Bye-bye now.